0: Razabani for IFL TV in association with MTK Global with me all the way from Las Vegas, Nevada, my man, Coach Kevin Barry. Kevin, it's been a while. How are we doing?
1: it has been a while, my friend, and uh, I'm doing well. And hey, more to the point, how are you doing, my friend? First time father. Congratulations, brother. Thanks, Kev. Thanks. It's been, a,
0: it's been a tough couple of weeks, a few sleepless nights. I'm uh, sure. Across the way, but kids, kids doing well. He's a he's born in a very unique year,
1: with this whole yeah. COVID-19. But uh, both mother and baby are are well. Thrilled to hear that, mate, and uh, I I hope he has the, the the best life. Let's hope so too. Kevin, um, uh, yeah, before we speak about boxing,
0: um, as I mentioned, a very unique year with this whole lockdown and coronavirus. I've spoken to a couple of people out in uh, Las Vegas and. They've talked about how it hasn't really impacted Vegas in terms of number of deaths, etc.
1: How did you take it on board when you first heard about the the whole virus? Well, you know, obviously it was a shock for everyone. Um, But I think after we got through the initial shock, I think it was everyone had to realise that they had to do their part with social responsibility. You know this is a is a serious thing and it's something that we all have to be involved in together. We can't have you know half the country on board and the other half saying "Ah you know buggy you guys you're on your own this is something that we all had to work against together and like we've had you know nearly eighty four thousand deaths here in america and and you touched before you said that you know the Nevada has been relatively lucky you know and we have. But um, you know we've had, I think, you know, just over 250 deaths. But the the economic damage to to uh, Las Vegas and the state of Nevada is huge. You know we've got, you know, hundreds of thousands of people unemployed, and, and that's the that's the real damage. Um, so look at hey, it's been a rough time. It's been a rough time for boxing, but it's been a rough time for all sports. And it's, it's but but what's even bigger than that is it's it's been a rough time for for the world. You know, nearly every country in the world has been touched by this and uh you know it's a it's a difficult time it's a rough time, but it's a time where health and safety have to be paramount you know we everything we do we have to work together and we have to but, but we have to stay positive we we know that this is this virus is is um potentially Uh, very very damaging and we all have to do our part and work together but we need to stay positive we need to realize that we will get through this we will get over this um but you know we but we have to do it together how have you been coping yourself obviously i know
0: you like to keep yourself in the in the gym uh with your fighters but how have you mentally been coping and physically
1: well look I, i you know i've been very lucky um my, I have a private facility that is less than two minutes from my house. Now, whereas all gyms were closed during the shutdown period, my private facility, I've been able to go there every day, or well, six days a week, sometimes on a Sunday, and I'll get on the bike, I'll ride the bike for an hour, I'll do my shoulder-strengthening exercises that you need to do as a coach, and, you know, and I'll walk around the walls, I'll look at the posters, I'll look at the photos, and I, I keep telling myself, you know, we will get back to where we were. But I feel very, very lucky that I've been able to get that, that little release in every day because I know there's a lot of people who haven't been able to leave their houses. Um, so you, you know, uh, when you ask me how I'm doing, I'm doing okay. Uh, you know, I'm also. As you can see at the moment, I'm sitting in my office. I, you know, I spend a lot of time here. I've got a, um, a big TV room just off my office where I watch a lot of footage of fights. I've been studying a lot. I've been writing programs. Um, you know, so I've been I've been trying to make the most of this time. And uh, uh, you know, one thing I will say, you know, as a as a team, we were very lucky with uh, with Joseph Parker, because Joe fought the end of February. And um, so, you know, he was able to get that knockout win in over Shaundell Winters, then go back to New Zealand. And, um, you know, he's been back there, he's got a, a, a nice gymnasium set up in his house, and he's been on lockdown, but he's been able to train all the way through this. But I just, the fact that, you know, in 2019, we only had that one fight, Um, if we hadn't got that fight in at the end of February, it would have just been terrible for us. Uh, On the flip side, for for my other heavyweight, uh, Guido Vianello, um, 6 6 KOs, he had just completed 92 rounds of sparring with Tyson Fury, Joe Joyce, Joseph Parker. He was in the best shape of his life, and we were due to to fly to Quebec uh, three days before they shut things down, so you know, I felt a wee bit sorry for him, and you know, and also coming from from Italy, you know, Italy was a real mess, and they closed the borders there, so he couldn't go back home and be with his family, you know. So, so he's been here throughout this time. So I, I put him out of the gym. He had like a break for uh, three, four weeks, and he's been back in the gym training on the Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And then last week, I I received a call from Top Rank. And and as you're probably aware, they're going to be one of the first companies to actually uh, stage fights again. Um, We're looking to to do um, fights with no crowds here in in Las Vegas starting early June. So I'm hoping that uh, all that good work that that Guido put in early on in the year, that uh, we'll be able to uh, get get a fight early June and get things back on track.
0: did you ever think that one day the las vegas strip will have no lights and no
1: people and no cars (laughs) no well actually we have we have had the lights off before um i'm just trying to think what would the what the occasions were but we've we've, it's gone dark a couple of times um i had a, a a friend that owns the the building where my gym is and um he said to me, we actually showed me the video, he was down there over the weekend with his wife and two children, and the children were riding bikes down the strip, and there was absolutely no cars at all. And I just said, Well, it's a you know, it's a, a perfect video for them because they'll probably never ever have this opportunity again to, you know, to be in a place like this. It was, you know, it's like a uh, it's like a ghost town. You know, as I mentioned before, the 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 real damage here has been economically done. Um, you know, the the casinos are, are everything for the state. Um, they, you know, they pay all the bills, and the fact that they've been shut down now for six weeks, it, it's been really tough for a lot of people.
0: Kim, a lot of people don't realize this, but fighters don't get paid if they don't fight. Now, yeah. let's not worry not just your fighters, but overall in boxing within the community of boxing how difficult is it for fighters personally to survive without being
1: paid well look let's remember like all fighters get paid but i mean the the the, the big names you know they they make a good living out of boxing and they can sustain not fighting if they didn't fight for a year they can sustain it but you know, the, but the majority, the 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 ninety ninety five percent of professional fighters, they need to get into the ring. They need to take the to get these fights, to pay their bills for the year, to pay their rent, to feed their children. Um, you know, and they simply they're, they simply have uh, not been able to do that. And I'm sure it's put a lot of people under a lot of pressure. And we know the fighters are going to be affected by it. We also know that the major promotional companies, you know, most of them, um, they they have the they have the backing to carry, you know, and support a time like this. But what about the small promoters, the small promoters that rely on, you know, having their four to six shows a year, making enough income during those four and six shows to pay their bills, to pay their staff, to support the fighters that they, they have under promotional contract. And one thing that is very evident, that, and, and I believe this is be, to be true, that a lot of these smaller companies are going to find themselves under a lot of pressure now, and they'll be making decisions for their fighters that they probably wouldn't have made if we weren't placed in this situation. And the fact that they need X number of shows a year, they know that their their fighters need the right number of correct fights to enable them to mature and develop at the right speed. Well, I, I can honestly see a lot of these promoters now forcing the envelope a little bit, making some of their fighters that they may have under contract fight a fight that maybe the, they wouldn't have taken in better times. So, you know, desperate measures, you know, cause for desperate decisions. And I think we're going to be seeing a few of these.
0: Kev, you mentioned there earlier about Top Rank announcing they're going to be going behind closed doors in, in Vegas. How difficult is it going to be for fighters? We saw the UFC the other weekend, empty um, Arena, not getting that atmosphere, that buzz. Uh,
1: uh, but is that is that something that's important to fighters well no, i think it is you know i think it's it's important to to all sportsmen and women you know they are entertainers they want to entertain they want to have that crowd feedback they want to get out there and be able to put on a show so it's it, it, the the biggest the biggest thing about all this will be the mental adjustment. They're still putting the show on, and they're still got they're putting their their skills on display, but they're putting it on display for those watching on television at home, not watching at home and also sitting in the audience. And and that will be um, that that will be something that a lot of fighters will have to come to terms with. Kev, okay, we know that you got Joseph Parker
0: too, that WBO heavyweight title you've had obviously time to reflect and it's almost like a, a restart for everybody when everything kicks off again but when you look back now at joe's
1: career so far are you content you know i think that um i'd be i'd be look i've had an amazing some amazing experiences with joe uh, nobody thought that for a start off that we could um, campaign in New Zealand and take Joe all the way to the world heavyweight title. People laughed at us when we, when we first put that plan out there that this is what we we're planning on doing. Nobody believed that um, we'd get a 24-year-old guy to be the fourth youngest of all time to win the heavyweight belt. And let's remember, the guy that he beat was a 29-0 undefeated Andy Ruiz um, to, to win that belt. And then you know we defended the title twice, and then we th- through a, a, a huge uh, team effort and, and a great strategy, we put uh, a lot of pressure on on Eddie and Anthony Joshua for that unification fight um, and that fight was one of the very biggest fights in the world that year it generated more money than than most fights in the world um, unfortunately you know it was it was a fight that was promoted and marketed very very well and the fight never really lived up to the hype um, because of you know a couple of things one is I think there was too much respect given by both guys to each other and secondly we had an inept referee who just did not want to let the guys fight but you know the When you're asking, am I content? You know, I'd have to be content because you know we defied the odds for a lot of things. It was the first ever heavyweight champion from New Zealand. But you know, you can't. You know, when I'm sitting there by myself, and I'm sure, and I'm and I'm very proud of what Joe's done, and I'm very proud of what I've done, and and the hard work of our team. But I also know that you know we could have done more. We could have we, we we could have been better. Uh, Joe knows, you know, if we ever had that opportunity again, you know, you have to be more aggressive with a fight like Joshua. And you know, and Joe knows that the expectations for him were great coming into that fight. And uh, as I mentioned, the fight just never lived up, never lived up to the hype. Do you have like a, a another goal in mind with Joe? Do you want to go
0: and see him become a two-time unified yes. heavyweight champion? Is that is that what's what you want next for him?
1: That's, that's our goal. Joe and I, you know, we want to, we want to win that heavyweight title again. And um, we both know that Joe has enormous talent. We both know that, uh, that this is something that is well within him. He's only 28 years old now. We will get another crack at the world heavyweight title. And um, I think all around, I think uh, Joe will be far more mature. Uh, his approach will be different um and, and i think the second time round will be so much more sweeter we've
0: seen uh, over you know, the last couple of weeks there's been a, a few back and forth between joe uh, and didion white uh who both have oh, surprise had a, surprise <laughs> <who both laughs> had a, a great fight back here in london at the o2 arena yeah um, but in your mind is that the fight you want or is there a map that you see Is this is the
1: route you want to take Look, we would love we would love the Dillion White fight. And, you know, we've been saying that since our encounter with them, you know, a fight that you know, we had everything, everything against us. You know, they 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 were training for a fight. We were offered the fight late. We took it on six weeks notice. Joe still put, you know, really good work in. And then we got out there and, and we still expected to win the fight. And You know, the headbutt to the cerebellum in the second round where he fought the whole fight, concussed. You know, look, you don't need an excuse to see what happened in that fight. And even with the concussion and and everything that Joe had and the illegal tactics that were exhibited by Dillian right throughout that fight, um, you know, Joe still had him completely out on his feet in the 11th and 12th rounds, and we should have knocked him out. And if we ever get that opportunity again, we will knock them out. And that's a fight more than any other fight in the world. That's the fight that we want.
0: Can well, we know in, in New Zealand and, and in places like Australia, the, the virus has, has reduced or is non-existent. Um, and there are rumors at the moment that Joe could potentially be going in there with Lucas Brown. There's a lot of articles I've read that, that could potentially be a fight in New Zealand. And you may even have a crowd there in that particular fight. Um, so is that something that you can confirm or deny? That's on the. Yeah, I'll
1: tell, tell you what I can tell you. Um, one is that the Prime Minister of New Zealand, Jacinda Ardern, has done an amazing job in closing the borders and minimizing the uh, damage done to New Zealand. And, you know, sitting back here in America, watching the death rate go to 85,000 and you guys in the U.K., I know it's over 35. Um, you know, when you look at what she has done in New Zealand, um, you know, the, the death rate, just over 20. It's, it's phenomenal. And we, you know, we've been looking at um, what they've done in New Zealand, the fact now that they're down to level two. Um, you know, I think rugby is starting next week in rugby league you know, so things are really looking promising there. They've done they've done a tremendous job. And you know, David Higgins identified that with what's going on in America and the UK, that New Zealand will be one of the first countries that actually opens up with the crowd. So we've been looking we've we've been looking at what the options are for us. And obviously the option is not for Joe to come back to America. Um, one is we, you know, we still have uh, um, a very rampant virus here, as you guys do in the UK. I, I don't believe that any of the big fights um, are going to be staged this year. It just, it, it just doesn't look like it at the moment. So we 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 looked at that. Our goal for Joe this year was to fight three times. We had one fight in 2019. So we thought. Okay, how can we make the, the most of this bad situation? And like it's, we have to do things properly. That you know the safety and health uh, guidelines will be put in place and we'll we'll follow them to the T. But you know we we are looking to stage an event in New Zealand uh, around the middle of August. We are looking at Lucas Brown. Uh, we're looking at some other fighters as well, but look, Lucas. You look at Joe's record, um, twenty-seven and two. Lucas Brown, twenty-nine and two. Lucas Brown, eighty percent knockout percentage. Joseph Parker, seventy percent. We had signed Lucas Brown to fight Joe before we took the Anthony Joshua fight. We were going to fight Lucas at the huge arena in Auckland, the Spark Arena, and you know when we started our our lobbying to get that unification fight, the Lucas Brown fight was put on the back burner. But we did, you know, we, we had a gentleman's agreement with him at the time. And we said that, look, if this opportunity ever presented itself, we, we would revisit it. And we gave him our, our word on that. Um, so look, we're, we, are, we are looking um, at Lucas Brown. Um, David Higgins has been negotiating with his promoter. Uh, over the last couple of weeks, we're looking at uh, whether or not, you know, we can, um, we can qualify inside the health and safety guidelines, which we believe we can. And we will, we will do that to the, to the letter. Um, we are looking at a very small crowd. We're looking to make an, uh, a very different type of fight under 100 people. Um, you know it would be um, we, we want to make a real spectacle of this, and um, I think having a small crowd, we can have a, a, a very special, a very unique atmosphere, something that we 've never seen before, and something that you know I think we could probably do a documentary around, um, but it 's but m- most importantly. It gives us the opportunity for Joe to fight a second time in 2020, and it also everything going well on that fight will will move us towards um, trying to plan a third fight before the end of the year, and we will we will get the three fights that we set out as our plan for Joseph Parker in 2020.
0: Kev, can you also confirm or deny if we are going to get any videos over the coming weeks of yourself dancing and singing?
1: <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, t- I tell you what, um, Joe said to me a few times, you're in the next one, you're in the next one. I went, yeah, yeah, right I am. And, um, and my wife, Tanya, she's gone, you are, you are, all will so I said, no, I, am, I will not be dancing with Joe. And and I will say that him and I, we have, when we do our ring walks before, uh, not our ring walks, our our morning walk, the on fight day, we quite often often will have a little, a little dance. But I'll leave, I'll leave the uh, dancing and the showmanship to Mr. Parker because, by God, he's done an outstanding job. Like he has entertained and put smiles on people's faces all around the world. He has spread his following hugely throughout this. He's one of the guys who has more than anyone else who has stayed relevant during this quiet time. And Joe's fan base outside of boxing and sports people has gone through the roof. You know, people who never, ever knew who Joseph Parker was know who he is now and we've had like I probably get you know three interviews a week for him that I send down but most people go directly to Joe he's doing interviews nearly every day the the footage has been played in New Zealand and Australia. It's been played on the news here in Las Vegas and other parts of America. It's, you know, it, it's uh, it's all over the place. Uh, and when you get the likes of Michael Buffer and Tyson Fury, and, and then you've got Eddie Hearn saying to Joe, "I want to be in on the next one," and you know, so you know you're on. You you hit something that's gold. Um, and, uh, you know, Kerry Russell, Joe's videographer, has done a tremendous job. It's, uh, we have some great talent in New Zealand and Kerry is, he's one of the, uh, he's one of those most talented guys in New Zealand, you know. He's done a lot, he's done the, the Winter and Summer Olympics and a lot of sports and a lot of entertainment and it's a guy that uh, Joe's very lucky to have him as part of his team. Well, let's hope you are in one of the the next. Ah, I thought we uh, moved off from there, Res. <laughs>
0: um, Kev, let's just talk about fighters in the heavyweight division outside of your, uh, outside of Joseph Parker. Um, uh-huh. A few back and forth between Dillian White and Andy Ruiz that we've seen lately. That's blown up. Yes. Dillian's been calling out Andy Ruiz, saying money's been offered millions of pounds. Andy right. said you haven't offered me exactly what I wanted. Uh-huh. Um, what did you make of the whole backlash between both of them?
1: Well, I tell you what, mate. I look, you know, for a start, I thought it was just a little bit of hype. You know, both guys just using each other to uh, keep their names relevant. And when I saw that, actually, Dillian White was was serious about the Andy Ruiz fight, I just thought, oh my God! I just could not understand why for the. For me, I think that Andy Ruiz would be one of the last guys that he would want to be in the ring with at the moment. We know that Dillian has, um, you know, he's strung some really good wins together. We, we know that he's been sitting there in that uh, mandatory position forever. And, um, and we all know that he deserves a crack at the title. So, in the fact that, you know, it, it was, the, the, I believe the last date was that they had to fight him, the winner of uh, Fury and Wilder had to fight him by January or February next year. Well, we know that's never going to happen. But when I look at the style of Andy Ruiz and I look at the style of Dillian White, I think myself as a coach, I think that's a terrible style for Dillian White. I think Andy, uh, Andy's skill level, is far superior i think he's got very deceptive um hand speed and movement and uh the but the the biggest thing that that i believe is is underestimated is the power of andy ruiz he hits very very hard and uh when you look at dillian white he was down joshua had him down um joseph parker um had them down and out all but in the 11th and 12th rounds of their fight oscar rivers had them down now looking at those three fights i know andy ruiz is going to have him on the campus um i just think it's i just think it's a bad style so would you tell him would you advise not to take the fight Oh, my God! I think it's a terrible fight for him if he wants to to get that world title fight that he's been you know th- that he does deserve and that he's been screaming for for a number of years then i then I think he wants to stay away from Andy Ruiz
0: You obviously fought Andy Ruiz uh to win the w b o title initially and he's gone on to win. Uh, the unified titles when he beat Anthony Joshua um, about a year ago now. Andy Ruiz obviously didn't come in the best of shapes in the, in the rematch. Is he still a force to be reckoned with in the heavyweight division? Uh,
1: 100%. I have always thought that, um, that Andy Ruiz is, is one, of the top, one of the top guys in the heavyweight division. Even well before the first Joshua fight, I would have easily had him in my top 10. And i and I tell you what, I think it's a smart move that he's made going to Eddie Reynasso because I think um, Eddie will actually make him a better fighter. Um, I You know, you look at, at, at chemistry and I think they're, they're, you know, just we can never really know, but looking in from the outside, it looks like a really good fit for him. Um, I don't believe that the, you know, Teddy Atlas was the right fit and that's why they never really even got together. Um but you know, I think uh, I, I think Andy will will have it. easy, he's still young. Um, I think a a disciplined Andy Ruiz who trains properly, um, doesn't balloon up in weight, is going to be a handful for for anyone in the heavyweight division. Yeah, we
0: know Anthony Joshua is supposed to be fighting his mandatory in kubra Pulev. We know Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder are supposed to have their trilogy fights. There were talks about potentially Pulev and Deontay Wilder taking some step-aside money to allow Joshua and Fury to fight in a place, maybe like Saudi Arabia towards the end of the year. If you are the coach or manager of Pulev or Deontay Wilder, more specifically Deontay Wilder, do you step aside and allow Joshua and Fury to fight or do you say no
1: i want my rematch with fury well it all depends how much money they're going to offer you you know if, if it's if it's small money the answer is no if it's uh, if if they're going to pay you a lot of money to step aside because let's remember like if joshua and fury were to get together it's it's a massive 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 fight and they would have to pay a lot of step aside money I think the person who would probably benefit the most from that would be someone like Pulev. Because I think Pulev's gonna get one shot. He's gonna get a payday against Joshua. Joshua's gonna knock him out. And then his career at the age of 39, 40 is probably gonna be over. Um, so someone like him, I think it's, uh, it would be more beneficial for. I look at Deontay Wilder and I think he's um, probably deep down a little embarrassed about that second fight. Um he looks at the two knockdowns in the first fight and goes, Well, you know, why did the second fight turn out so different? Um, and I think he, he would probably he would want the opportunity to uh um to erase some of those demons from the second fight. But you know, <laughs> sitting there in the audience, I was in the in the third row with Joe Parker in uh in Tyson's corner. And looking at the second fight, it would be hard to see the the third fight going any different. Um, I don't, you know, all these stories about, you know, Joshua and Fury, I I think it's more, it's more building up a fight that will probably, probably won't happen for for at least another year, maybe longer.
0: Have you had... Fury on the pads, you've worked with him a little bit when Ben was involved as well. I know you're good friends with the camp. You know, Joe's very good friends with Fury as well. Um, did you expect that kind of performance where Fury came running out to the middle of the ring, took front foot and attacked from the off- offset?
1: No, mate, I, I honestly didn't. And it, uh, it it shocked me, I never ever saw that. And I know Tyson was talking about it and I know John was talking about it. And, and but I still could not believe the way he dismantled him. You know, one thing about Tyson Fury that I think is really, really underestimated is the guy has an extremely high boxing IQ. And when we listen to uh, a lot of the stuff that comes out of his mouth, a lot of people just shake their heads and they dismiss it. And so therefore, um, when he's actually outlining a blueprint you know, a lot of people take it with take it tongue in cheek, and they don't know what to believe and what not to believe. And and I'm using as an example uh, some of the sexual explicit stuff that he was that he was saying before the second fight, and then the then a week later he'll start saying, okay, this is the this is now the game. You know, after you shake your head at that, um, uh, you'll he'll say this is the game plan. You know, I'm going to push him back i'm going to take all the weight off his front foot and knock him out and obviously um once once he did not allow wilder to to step forward and put the weight on the front foot to step with his back foot when he threw his right hand once he couldn't do that it was game over and you know in hindsight i'm 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 reminded of of a of a similar situation when Evander Holyfield fought Mike Tyson the first time and I think uh, Holyfield was like a 20-to-1 underdog. And all Holyfield knew in his mind that Mike can't fight going backwards. I'm not going to allow him to come forward every time we come together. I'm walking him backwards. And once he did that, it was game over. Mike He took all the power away from Tyson and of course knocked him out and batted him. So um, I think Tyson's a very smart, a very clever guy. I think he's a guy that obviously rises to the caliber and experience of the people he's fighting. His, his biggest ever performances have been those at the highest level. And I'm of course saying, you know, the, the Klitschko fight where he where his style um, just through the experience of Klitschko, right off, you know, he just he just couldn't handle him. He outthought him, he outboxed him, and he outscored him. And of course, the the first fight with Deontay Wilder, and we all know the two fights before the Wilder fight that Fury had. Everyone was saying that guy can't possibly beat Deontay Wilder, and he 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 won every single round except for the two that he got dropped. Um, so then, the third fight, when the pressure was really on again, everyone was saying it's a 50-50. But you know, this is Wilder's chance to, to you know, to pay back from the first fight. You know, he was totally dominant. So I think the the bigger the occasion, the better Tyson Fury really is. You mentioned there some great names in the heavyweight division of the past.
0: Could you confirm or deny if you're making a comeback, Kevin? <laughs>
1: uh, yeah i'm making a comeback to coaching i have been trying to fix my shoulders while uh while we've had these two months off so that all the all the blows i I'm a hand on hands-on coach and uh my son shakes his head and he goes what are you doing dad take the pads off and he's always trying to get the pads on you know to to protect me and and i'm still thinking well look i you know i turned uh I turned 60 this year. I know I've got uh, I've got a few good years left of me, and I'm just working hard to, to make sure that I can keep being a, a good hands-on coach.
0: What did you make of this whole Mike Tyson, how do you feel, Shannon Briggs? I think James
1: Tony as well. All saying James Tony's in there, mate. I tell you what, I think it's uh, look it it makes for good copy, but look, uh, you've got to shake your head at it. You know when you look at um, mike tyson 53 Abanda Holyfield, 57 come on guys grow up you know it's like uh, no one no one defeats father time and look i don't mind if they they still now um uh, the, the two of them look in great shape you know they you know i think Holyfield will always be in shape but you know the fact that um I think uh, Evander won seven of his last fifteen. Um, Mike five of his last twelve, and he got battered towards the end of his career and looked and looked terrible. You know, Mike hasn't fought for ten years. Evander hasn't fought for fifteen years. It was been it's nearly twenty five years since the two of them had their uh, two epic encounters. You know, so the fact that uh, you know people are trying to uh, report. That are making a comeback to to seriously have a crack at the heavyweight division, not a chance, not a chance in this world. You know, if they want to come back and uh, you know and go in a couple of um, exhibition fights, I think there's a I think there's a really good market there because these are two of the 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 greater fighters of all time. Um, have their names have massive respect multiple uh, multiple world championships uh, people would love to see the, you know, would love to see them in a in a four round fight. And you know, you look at guys like you know Eddie Hearn with these YouTube guys, and uh, you know there is definitely there is an opening there. And I was reading a story today where Eddie said this one of Tyson's guys rang and approached them, "Would you be interested in Mike Tyson?" So look, could it happen? Yes. Um, is it going to happen? uh at, at a at a real competitive level, a serious crack. No, never ever, ever. You know, father time is still undefeated. <laughs> well, I think everyone would love to see an exhibition,
0: uh, if if those four or any others would like to mingle in. And uh, I think it'll just be good for, for for the people who've been deprived of watching boxing yes. over the last couple of months, but it'd be fun. But I do agree with you. Uh, i don 't think it'd be sensible to go back in in the boxing ring as much as it looks so you look good on the pads going
1: in the ring when someone else is throwing punches at you is completely different yes, and like you, know, like you know both both those guys at the end of their careers their reflexes had um, had had really regressed, so you know they they know it um, but listen let's remember. You know they both were very successful. They both made hundreds of millions of dollars. They both were um, squandered all their money, blew through it through through bad investments and bad management. Um, both in their retirement careers have been more successful. I think they're a lot smarter now, and I think this is an, an opportunity. You know where you know when they're talking about uh, exhibition fights for charity. You know that uh, there is a lot of moolah in this for both those guys if they lace the gloves on and get in for an exhibition match.
0: Kevin, uh, always a pleasure speaking to you. Uh, always very generous to me with your time as well. Uh, I always I appreciate that. And sorry to to bugger you so
1: much. Many weeks ago, I was dropping a message every other week. Uh, no, that's all good, mate. I tell you what, I did, Raz, and and I you know and you are one of my. Favorite guys in, in the media world. Okay, so you know it wasn't like um, I was doing media with anyone else because I haven't, up until uh, about three four days ago, I I did I hadn't done any media for over two months. I was giving myself a break, and um, uh, and I think that's very important sometimes. And I had the likes of you know Joseph Parker doing more media. he was he was the leader of our team doing media worldwide and of late we've had david higgins has been very vocal so there was no need for me to say anything so uh That's why I didn't get back to you, my friend, but we're back together now. (laughs) That's all that matters.
0: Yeah. Kev, uh, appreciate your time. I know we're going to run very short now because we have a time limit of 40 minutes. I'm not sure how much we've done, but we're very close. Um, Wish you nothing but obviously health, stay safe, continue to stay safe, uh, yourself and your family. uh, And I'm sure we'll be bumping into each other
1: very, very soon. Look forward to seeing you, my friend, get you back here in Vegas and, uh, and uh l- lots of uh, love and and great wishes for your new sound
0: kevin very appreciate that thank you for ifo tv thank you very much
1: okay man.